Welcome to The Naked Truth. Peace to you. We are in Deuteronomy, that's the fifth book of the Bible, chapter 22. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. And before we begin, I'm using a New King James Version Bible uh, with the red letters, um, but this is a, a weekday reading, so we aren't going to be reading most likely anything that Jesus said. That's what the red letters are. Um, but if you are using that, um, if you're reading along with me, I'm using a blueletterbible.org website to read it to you, read along with you. But I mentioned that the version we're using, because if you use the New King James Version Bible, you can see the headline that's included to help um, sort of uh, let us know what the subject is of each reading. Um, that's not what was originally in, this, in, the, in the manuscripts in the scriptures but neither were the chapter numbers and either those weren't included and most punctuality wasn't in, uh, um, punctuation wasn't included either but um, they're added for understanding so if you see the headline it says various laws of morality and that's a dose of irony if you consider the chapter we just read that said all sorts of atrocities are okay not even not just okay but you're directed to do them whether it's rape bigamy uh, or even killing your obese, your gluttonous, obese child. All those things are said to be okay in the Bible, in the chapter we just read. And it's supposedly from the same Lord that tells you, thou shalt not kill. Um, so keep that in mind, because about, we're about to read some real craziness, if or at least some real in, more inconsistencies that don't seem to align with uh, what we've read so far in the Bible. But it's powerful, of course, when you consider we've read all kinds of inconsistencies and contradictions, and we're only in the fifth book, not even through the fifth book of the Bible yet. So the question I'd say before we begin is, ask yourself, does this really sound like some things that the Lord God Almighty, who sees everybody equally, unbiased, uh, showing no favoritism to anyone, that Lord God would say? The last chapter definitely didn't seem like it, but let's see what this one says. So let's begin. Verse 1. You should not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and hide yourself from them. You should certainly bring them back to your brother. So right off, you see where the focus is yet again. It's The last chapter was about um, different things that seem shocking that it'd be the Lord telling you to do them. But this seems to verify in my mind that this stuff isn't from the Lord God. It's stuff that people cook up. It's religion and it's the way to enrich the religion. And a good sign of that, that that's the case, is that the the fact that it keeps being focused more on doing right with the property, on doing right with the things, and on being sure you take care of the religion and providing for it. And not to mention the patriarchy. Why in the world would a Lord who created Adam with both male and female, because remember Eve was taken out of him, and it says even in chapter 1 of Genesis that God created them male and female, he created them. It didn't say he created men and women, it says he created them male and female. And so, um, and then Adam went through the being put to sleep and having Eve extracted from him, or what was taken from him to create Eve. So, People who thump their Bibles in modern times don't bother to read it because if they did, they'd see the things they're saying contradict what the scripture actually says. And yet they have the microphone, they have the megaphone, they get the loudest voice. 
And we as Christians, I would think, are supposed to do like Jesus says, no concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. So much of what we've read so far is clearly not from God, but it is in the Bible and it is what the religion tells you to do. And um, there's a difference. So anyway, so it's saying now back to the property, be sure to do right by the property, the ox, the cow that um you see your brothers is your brothers is gone astray be sure to do right by it and bring it back to your brother verse two and if your brother is not near you or if you do not know him then you shall bring it to your own house and it shall remain with you until your brother seeks it then you shall restore it to him so if you find some property that belongs to someone else your brother specifically and and when it says brother here it's clear it's not talking about blood brothers it's saying your uh Hebrew brother, your um, brother in the religion, in other words, um, then if you find some of their property, hold on to it, take care of it until they um, go looking for it and then re give it to them. Verse three, you shall do the same with his donkey and so shall you do with his garment with any lost thing of your brothers, which he has lost and you have found, you shall do likewise. You must not hide yourself. So when it comes to things that are lost and found, keep them hold on to them but only to take care of them for your brother's sake and then when they go looking for them restore them to to him verse four you shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fall down along the road and hide yourself from them you shall surely help him lift them up again so again property rights if you see some property and that's what the livestock is the donkey or the ox if you see it in need then you're to help them recover their livestock, recover their property. Verse 5, a woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. So this is one of the things Bible thumpers will use to speak against transgender people, for instance, because it clearly says you're not supposed to, a woman's not to wear what a man wears, but then if you think about it, how that's changed over time, men used to wear those uh, skirts. Uh, they tie the skirt up and make the uh, tie the skirt up at the bottom and make it and men would be wearing it so uh if you're gonna stick with that then why aren't men wearing skirts now and uh, they didn't have pants back then so saying that a woman wearing pants it doesn't make any sense because there weren't pants at the time this was written and if you're saying that um, if men should wear men's clothes then why aren't men wearing skirts like they did back then and then aside from all of that Jesus says life is more than food and body is more than clothing and that you shouldn't worry about what it is you're wearing and what you're going to put on. Um, so if you're a Christian, why are so many people leaning towards the hateful things that exclude people, say like this verse we just read, rather than the Christian thing that includes people and focuses on what's actually important, not worried about what you put on. Not Life is more than food. Body is more than clothing. That's Luke 12, 23, if you want to look it up yourself. So I would say, ask yourself why so many Bible thumpers do that. And I would think it's because those are their own inner demons they're dealing with. Just like I've been in a place before in my life where I didn't understand which what to believe because something like this would make me think, oh, well, then it's an abomination. You're an offense to the Lord. You're not going to make it. Uh, you're not going to find salvation. So, of course, people get torn with that and then think, oh, well, then that must be evil. But then you're supposed to be a Christian. What about what Jesus says? Isn't that supposed to be what... Uh, 
what uh, takes precedent over everything else? Shouldn't that be our marching orders? And not only that, like I said, if people were more uh, if that whole thinking of getting caught up in something like that will lead people to a place where they fall away from religion altogether, leave the paths of righteousness altogether, thinking, well, what's the point? It's abominable, so must be going to hell, so why even bother? That's even more wicked, according to Jesus, if you, um, if you, uh, what is it, if you mislead a little, one of these little ones, it'd be better for you if a stone, a millstone were hung around your neck and you were cast into the sea. So, why is it that so-called Christian churches embrace this verse rather than what Jesus says? I could see if you're another religion, say for instance the religion Jesus was born into, into Judaism, if you want to hold on to this and say, okay, well, that's what we believe, fine, and that makes sense then because you're not a Christian. But if you're a Christian, what Jesus says is what's supposed to matter. Um, and then, um, what was the other thing about this one? Oh, uh, speaking of abominations. Um, so if people are going to hold on to this and say, well, it's not right to cross-dress and all that. Well, where's that same energy, that same anger and outrage at the abomination of eating shellfish, of eating shrimp and lobster and the places that sell shrimp and lobster and not to mention barbecue, um, say barbecue pork. All of those are abominations, too. And yet those same thumpers, Bible thumpers will overlook all of that. Because they enjoy the barbecue, they enjoy the pork, they enjoy all those other abominations, but the one that they can't, that they wrestle with on themselves, is my guess, um, is being in the closet about their interest in things like cross-dressing and um, sexual uh, interest in the LGBT community. So they lean on things that in, lead to self-loathing and hate rather than the things that Christ, that Christ teaches um, love, acceptance, and what actually matters, not the clothes you put on. But it is here in the Bible, so let's keep reading. Verse 6, if a bird's nest happens to be before you along the way, in any tree or on the ground, with young ones or eggs, with the mother sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. So this is interest, and um, this is concern for animal rights and animal uh, uh animal rights that you shouldn't just swoop up the whole family kill the mama to eat it and cook the eggs too um so there's concern for the animal rights and that's interesting since we read previously about uh adultery i mean abortion being okay and there's even a process for abortion if you suspect adultery um so not much concern for the young there if you're a bible thumper and then besides that, we just read all the different things on how it's okay and the process on raping someone. Um, the time that you have to wait before you're allowed to do it and all of that sort of those sort of disgusting details we just read about in, in the previous chapter, chapter 21. And yet here, there's more concern, it seems to me, for the animals and their young that you don't do their families that way. I mean, it seems like a good rule, but how about some of that same concern for the enslaved people? It's not there. Verse 7, you shall surely let the mother go and take the young for yourself, that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days. So uh, animal cruelty law here that it, if you're going to uh, kill the chicken, let the eggs stay behind, or if you're going to kill the mother goose, let the the little hens live, the little baby chicks live, don't just whoop up the whole family and kill them all, eat them all 
uh, or just kill them all. You don't even necessarily have to eat them. It's saying that it's wrong to kill off the whole, all the, in both generations, basically. But you're allowed to massacre um, parents and rape their children. According to the previous chapter we read, it, it's inconsistent at the least. Very eight, uh, verse eight. When you build a new house, then you shall make a parapet for your roof that you may not bring guilt of bloodshed on your household if anyone falls from it. So that parapet is, um, uh, it's basically like a ridge around the top of the roof that if you're slipping and falling, you, I guess you can grab it on your way down to keep you from uh, hitting the ground. But uh, look around at architecture and see how many God-fearing Christian architects build that on their houses now. So um, maybe that's one of those temporary rules that only applied to way back then. I don't think so. Because it's written here in the Bible, so that would mean it's supposed to be observed even now. If you're a Genesis to Revelation believer, that you're supposed to be abiding by all by all those things. And if you do, then the architects in America are falling short on that command right there. Verse 9, you shall not sow your vineyard with different kinds of seed, lest the yield of the seed which you sown and the fruit of your vineyard be defiled. So now there's even petty, it seems petty, to be even concerned with what kind of seeds you're planting in your vineyard. Uh, that's more important to the religion here than doing right by the prisoners of war and setting up a program of um, how to rape them. Like again, we just read that in the previous chapter. Um, but now you're supposed to even be concerned what kind of seeds you plant in your field because it could defile the field, uh, the vineyard, by planting two different types of seed. So you're not supposed to plant uh, yellow grapes and red grapes in the same field. And the Lord is concerned with that. If you believe that, believe it. Believe what you want to believe. Verse 10, you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Do you really believe that God Almighty is concerned with what animals you're using to plow your field with together? It's what it says, so believe what you want to believe. Um, verse 11, you shall not wear a garment of different sorts, such as wool and linen mixed together. So now you really, really believe God Almighty is really concerned with the fashion choices you make, uh, mixing wool and linen Mixing, mixing silk and cotton, mixing uh, latex and leather. That's what the Lord is concerned with enough to put it here and document it forever in the Bible, uh, in stone, uh, in basically figuratively in the Bible that you're supposed to be concerned with mixing your gar the fabric in your garments. You really believe that that's what God Almighty has time to be concerned with. Verse 12, you shall make tassels on the four corners of the clothing with which you cover yourself. Again, with the tassels. So now you also to believe that God Almighty, who has a whole universe to tend to and look after, is concerned with making sure you put tassels on all your clothes. And if you do believe that, then where are your tassels? When was the last time you saw someone walking around, someone walking around thumping their Bible with tassels hanging from the corners of their clothes? I can say I've never seen that. I mean, maybe Native American people do have those fringe hanging. I guess that could count as tassels. But even that's not actually tassels. The only time I can think of that I see tassels are graduations. And that's only on the caps. That's not on all the clothes. So even that is not being loyal to what's being ordered here. 
if you really believe this is God Almighty giving these commandments, um, why aren't you doing them? Verse 13, if any man takes a wife and goes into her and detests her. So now this is really getting to the foulest stuff, the sexual immorality, the sexual morality stuff. So now if you have sex with uh, your wife and you aren't pleased with her, that's what it means. That's what it's saying. If you have sex with your spouse and you don't have a good time, verse 14, and charges her with shameful conduct and brings a bad name on her and says, it, I took this woman and when I came to her, I found she was not a virgin. So it's saying if you get married, if the husband marries a wife and he finds out that he doesn't like the fact that uh, she's been with other people, for one, or uh, loose, I guess, physically loose, like from whatever, toys, childbirth, whatever else, whatever the case may be, if he detests her and finds, uh, doesn't like her sex game, basically, and says that she's been shameful. Verse 15, then the father and mother of the young woman shall take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. How many societies, communities, even Bible thumpers are doing this? I can't, I don't know any that are doing that at all. But so, okay, but just to understand what it's saying, if you're newlyweds and the husband thinks that the wife is loose or, you know, not a virgin anymore, then he can call her out for that publicly and then her parents have to produce evidence that she was still a virgin when they were married. And they have their ancient ways they used to do that. In modern times, usually, and even that's not accurate, but they'll say that a woman's hymen, that's part of the vaginal structure, if it's still intact, then you're considered still a virgin. But suppose the woman just had sex with someone with a small penis. Um, that hymen can still be intact. Suppose... Uh, the woman had some other sort of sex, anal sex, oral sex, and the hymen is still intact. That's not considered shameful behavior. That's still considered okay. Uh, it's just disgustingly micromanaging the woman's body. The same sort of stuff you see with the reproductive laws in modern times where it talks about the abortion stuff. It's the same sort of thing. And if you consider the abortion laws... Like we read earlier, abortion is perfectly okay if you suspect adultery. Not if you committed it, not if you're caught doing it. If the husband suspects it, it's okay to go through that whole abortion procedure that we read about. Read about. Does that really sound like what God Almighty would be focused on and concerned with and even documenting here for all time to go down in history? It's what it reads. Verse 16, And the young woman's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter this, to this man as a as wife, and he detests her. So now the, the father of the woman who's been called out for being loose it has to defend her honor, basically, and present the evidence that she was still a virgin. Although, how can you really, really, truly prove that? You really can't. Um, because, like I said, there's other types of sex you can have without damaging the hymen, Um if you're really going to be going that far into the investigation. Um, but that's what it says, that the father is supposed to defend his daughter's honor by saying, no, she was still a virgin. 
Verse 17, now he's charged her with shameful conduct, saying, I found her daughter was not a virgin, and yet these are the evidences of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. So that's what it's talking about, spreading the cloth is uh, the evidence of her virginity. Uh, it's sort of a hard thing, and I, I, I kind of forget what it what it actually means. But I think it has to do with, again, the hymen being intact and not torn from being from penetration, basically. And I'm trying to say this as uh, delicately as I can. But the hymen, all speaking of delicate, is delicate. So they assume that if that's still intact, then the female is still a virgin. So they can bring forth evidences of that um, in the trial. And all this is to make sure that the woman who her husband has accused of being not a virgin, can be uh, justified. Verse 18, Then the elders of the city of that city shall take that man and punish him. So the evidence proving she's a virgin is... Uh, sounds crazy. So the father has proved that she's a virgin. And in that, if that's the case, if they can prove it with that cloth, proving that she's still a virgin... Uh, then the husband who's accused her gets the punishment. Verse 19, And they shall find him 100 shekels of silver and give them to the father of the young woman because he's brought a bad name on a virgin of Israel and she shall be his wife. He cannot divorce her all his days. <sighs> Poor woman. So she doesn't get the money. She gets the public shame of being uh, cast as a loose woman. Then she gets her parents who have to intervene for her and prove that she's still a virgin with that cloth. And then after all of that humiliation, she doesn't get the money. The parents get the money. And she, lucky her, gets to t be tied to the guy who did her like that publicly, humiliated her publicly. She gets to be tied with him for the rest of her life. He can't divorce her. What sense does that make? It definitely is not any concern for the female it's obvious patriarchy, but it is how it reads. So why isn't the the American religious right enforcing this? Why aren't the men who are paying the price for the different things the women are being accused of, for instance, with the abortion stuff? If, uh, if it's so terrible, why are men being punished for impregnating the women who they're not married to, like with vasectomies, for instance, so that they can't do it again? No, they don't do that at all because it's all about controlling women and, and not so much uh, punishing men. But it says here, the man's supposed to receive the punishment. Well, the punishment doesn't seem fitting for the crime. All he has to do is pay some money to the family, making her essentially a prostitute. He's paying the parents um, for the sex he's had with their daughter, and he gets to have her for life. She, he can't divorce her. It sounds sick to me, but it is what it, it says, so let's keep reading. Verse 20, but if, he, but if the thing is true and evidences of virginity are not found for the young woman, so now if you can't prove that she was a virgin, how in the world can you prove such a thing outside of that cloth? And even the cloth isn't 100%, but it says if it turns out it is true, um, that there is an evidence, in other words, that she's still a virgin, I'm not sure what other evidence you would have other than men coming forward saying, oh, yeah, I had her. 
what other evidences can you possibly have? How can you prove a negative like that? Suppose her hymen is broken some other way. Um, say like for self-pleasure. She's not allowed to have sex until she gets married. So why isn't she allowed to... She could be pleasuring herself. So suppose that leads to her hymen breaking. Suppose it breaks some other way. From like horseback riding, camel riding, or some other way at all, altogether. And then she's just assumed to be not a virgin because that cloth isn't intact and for that uh, she loses her case it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense in a fair and just system verse 21 then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones because she's done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house so you shall put away the evil from among you so now it's on the woman she's the one who's done evil by having sex if it, it's assuming that she just because she couldn't prove her case that she has had sex with someone else so in that sense she's worthy of the death penalty it's saying that the men of the area get to stone her to death to the stone there's no investigation to find out what man violated her there's none of that well how about that how about investigate and find out who she's had sex with and punish him too no 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 they don't do that at all it's patriarchy it's clear and clear and obvious patriarchy the woman has to pay the price if she can't prove that she's a virgin how you can actually prove that again i don't know but um she's assumed presumed to be guilty if she can't prove it and sentenced to the death penalty because they're saying she's been disgraceful by hoeing around in her father's house again you could find out who the men who did it with her you could do that put that would be putting evil away that uh, give the man a vasectomy so he won't do it again no 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 none of that none of that the only surgery that the men will undergo so far is the circumcision um so that also flies in the face of other bible thumpers who oppose different trans rights say like gender affirming surgeries and things They'll say, no, 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 you weren't born that way. Well, you weren't born circumcised either. And yet the Bible tells you to do that to the male genitals. And um, so how is that okay? But affirming someone else's surgeries. And not only those, there are other surgeries people have that you aren't born with. You aren't born with heart transplants. You aren't born with kidney transplants. You aren't born with asthma pumps. You aren't born with glasses. And yet all those things are perfectly okay with these Bible thumpers to alter how you were born. The conditions you were born with, all of those are perfectly okay with these Bible-thumping hypocrites, and yet those things are not. It's it's just it's just ridiculous. Verse 22, if a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die, the man that lay with the woman and the woman. So you shall put away the evil from Israel. So it's saying if you're caught hoeing around, then both of them have to die, the man and the woman. Well, we know that they don't enforce this because in the time of Jesus, uh, the same uh, religion didn't do that. Remember the woman who was caught hoeing around and Jesus said he was without sin among you. Let him throw a stone at her first. And all of the people were put to shame and left. None of them stoned her to death. But the thing they left out was, what about the man? She was caught in the act. So why wasn't the man also brought to justice to be stoned also? Because patriarchy exists. It's real and it continued even to the time of Jesus and it's also it's nonsense it, it just doesn't make sense that any of this would be from God Almighty because the same God who 
open up the earth to swallow up some people who opposed them or sent fire from heaven to zap people who did the wrong thing could easily handle these situations also but instead it's being codified for the people to handle it the death penalty to be instituted uh even though we read in genesis uh what when cain murdered his brother abel the lord the lord quote unquote there said no 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 the death penalty is a no-no and if anyone tries it they're gonna pay the price and yet bible thumpers ignore all of that and embrace what it is they really want to do their own bloodthirsty patriarchy and apparent hatred for women verse 23 if a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband and a man finds her in the city and lies with her so uh, it's saying if a woman is engaged now not married but engaged and a woman finds her and lays with her is that talking about he rapes her or is it talking about he seduces her or what's going on he finds her in the city and lies with her it says maybe it'll explain in verse 24 let's see then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones the young woman because she did not cry out in the city and the man because he humbled his neighbor's wife so you shall put away the evil from among you so look at the euphemisms it's using here it's saying humble but it's talking about rape it's the woman gets blamed even for being raped because if she doesn't cry out if it says in the city so i guess it's different in the country and i guess it'll probably get into that yeah it's going to get into that in the next verse so let's say a woman in the city is having gets raped in the city if she doesn't cry out for help she's just as guilty as the rapist and the death penalty ensues for both of them and what's with the humbling it's calling it humbling i guess maybe the word rape wasn't in existence back then yet but it's saying he'll pay the price for raping her um because she's married to someone else not because she just has a right to her own body to be safe on her own but because she's married to someone else that's the issue he's humble he's raped his neighbor's wife so for that he dies and the woman she gets the death penalty because she didn't cry out how sick is that you really believe that's what god almighty would have people do verse 25 but if a man finds a betrothed young woman in the countryside and the man forces her and lies with her then only the man who lay with her shall die how ridiculous is that so now if you're in the city there's one standard but if you're in the countryside um then it's okay it's actual rape if you're in the countryside no one could hear you if you cried out so um it's okay she gets a she gets a pass in that instance because the man raped her in the country instead of in the city and only he has to get the death penalty then not the woman how disgusting is that verse 26 but you shall do nothing to the young woman there is in the young woman no sin deserving of death for just as the when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him even so is this matter so now it's saying if you rape someone in the country it's the same thing as manslaughter or not even manslaughter it's um yeah i guess it would be no it can't be manslaughter because manslaughter doesn't get the death penalty so i guess it's saying rise against his neighbor and kills him it would be talking about premeditated murder but no that can't be it either because it says rises against them so you could be doing that in anger and also rising against his neighbor and kills him is the same thing the same descriptions given for when cain murdered abel says he rose up against him and killed him so and in that case there was no death penalty and yet here you see a shift now the man is uh uh punished the death penalty is called for for the man 
for raping the woman um, because it happened in the countryside, not in the city. How ridiculous is that? Does that really make sense to you that that's what God Almighty would be saying to do? Verse 27, for he found her in the countryside and the betrothed young woman cried out, but there was no one to save her. <laughs> so the crying out seems to be the key. If you don't cry out, then uh, you're guilty. You went along with it is basically what it's saying. You wanted to be raped if you didn't cry out for help. And it's saying in the city, if you, um, the woman is guilty because uh, she didn't cry out. And in the country, she gets innocent because she cried out, but there was no one to hear her. Does that really sound like what God Almighty would say in the case of violating some, violating someone and raping them? And yet, you see, that's what it reads. And you see the same thing in a different form with the whole abortion argument in modern times. With the whole, there's exceptions for rape and incest. Why should there be exceptions at all? It's health care. It's her body. Why isn't it her decision? And only she knows what's happened to herself. So if she doesn't file a rape, uh, a, a, a rape, a report of rape to the police, she should have to have the baby. If she is a 10 year old, she should have to have the baby uh, and nothing happens to the man who did it in either case, according to what's here, unless she's in the country, then she could have cried out, but nobody could help her. It's just disgusting. Verse 28, if a man finds a young woman who is a virgin, who is not betrothed, and he seizes her and lies with her, and they are found out. So now, if the rapist catches a virgin, we read about if she's engaged, we've read about if she's married. Now we're reading about if he, if the rapist catches a virgin now. Verse 29, and he says they are found out, as if she had a part in it. So let's see what happens. Verse 29, then the man who lays with her shall give to the young woman's father 50 shekels of silver and she shall be his wife because he has humbled her he shall not be permitted to divorce her all his days how utterly disgusting is that so now if you're a bible thumper why this is i guess it's saying what you should be able to do a rapist can find a virgin and rape her and then the only penalty he'll have to pay if that's if they're found out if he's not found out then i guess he gets away with it but if they are found out, then all he has to do is treat her like a prostitute and pay the father 50 shekels for her. And then the poor woman has to be his wife and that he can't divorce her. So she's stuck as being his wife for the rest of her life. And that's what you believe God Almighty would have people do to enforce rape. It's disgusting. And yet it's how it reads. And you're to believe that that's what God is saying. Verse 30, a man shall not take his father's wife nor uncover his father's bed. So then it goes back to the other nonsense about uncovering the uh, your father's bed. And it's talking about incest. It's saying now that the abomination of marrying, having sex with your father's wife is what it's saying. And that's strange since that's exactly what some of the forefathers did. We read it ourselves that uh, Reuben, for instance, I think it is, who had sex with his father's wife. Was it a condemned then? Was it called an abomination then? No, the Lord didn't call it out then. Didn't didn't punish uh, either one of them then. Neither one of them faced any consequences then uh, in the scriptures at all. And yet later on, it became an abomination. The people in the land that you're going to are doing that kind of stuff and it's abominable. It's totally inconsistent. It's utterly disgusting. And yet it's what... It reads, and so if you're a Bible thumper and you believe everything from Genesis to Revelation is what you're supposed to be abiding by, then these rules 
and regulations regarding rape are what people should be abiding by now. I don't think so, but if you're, again, if you believe everything in the Bible is what you're supposed to be adhering to, like these right-wing nuts claim, then why aren't you doing these things? I wouldn't suggest you do these things, but it is what the Bible says, and so that's why we're reading it, and that's why we're reading it on these other days, the other weekdays, because what Jesus has to say is not any of this stuff. What Jesus says is to love your neighbor as yourself. What Jesus said is, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. So all that stoning people who are caught in adultery or caught having sex, Jesus didn't affirm any of that. So as Christians, why aren't the Christian religious right-wing nuts leaning into what Jesus says instead of leaning into all their own dogmatic nonsense? It's because it's not from God, just like Jesus tells us Christians to beware of and to know, because that's what the will of God is, according to Jesus. In only two places in the entire Bible, the will of God is listed by Jesus himself, and that's to know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God. That's one of the one of the things that Jesus says verbatim is the will of God. Um, and that's why we focus on that on our Saturday readings. Because uh, it's just a tithe of what the entire Bible has to say, of what Jesus has to say, what Christians should know and be adhering to. And yet you see that's not what happens at all, especially in a God-fearing Christian nation like America. It's disgusting, this chapter, but it's good that it's there because it should help draw uh, a, a contrast to what it is Christians should be embracing and what the rest of the Bible may tell you. So anyway, that's the last verse in this chapter. I appreciate you reading with me, and I hope it wasn't a uh, didn't trigger any trauma in your own life that you may have experienced. And I hope you'll join me again. Stay safe. God bless you, and I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.